0: Hey, that was pretty bad. It wasn't so bad. I mean, there were elements of the game that were bad. There are elements of the game that were good. Uh, The continued excellence of Fred Van Vliet so far into the season remains something, um, I said, continued already. So we don't need to rehash that. Pascal Siakam with, I would say, a pretty impressive floor game. The only thing missing in this one was the three-point shot three really great looks that he missed. And one that was, you know, pretty well contested that just didn't go down. But that would have been nice to see from this game. But as far as the calculus of how the Raptors win, uh, Scotty Barnes going four for nine from downtown in this game kind of offsets Pascal going over four from deep as well. And Zvi, as far as he brought way more to the rebounding part of the floor than Gary Trent usually does. And he certainly didn't bring the same shooting pop, I think, or or the same shot creation. Although he's a much slicker uh, wheel greaser, like in two-man actions or three-man actions, he can set screens and slip off of stuff and continue the advantage, make that second pass and stuff like that. So he did that in this game, but the 2 of 7 from downtown on pretty good looks the full night, that was kind of tough to see. Although, got his hands in some cookie jars, got out on the break, and finished with twelve and eight, but mainly Scotty, Fred, and Pascal carrying in this game and everything else was pretty tough for the Raptors to do. That's right. Raptors losing 109 to 97 to the Boston Celtics. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Ro Samson folk. And where to start? Where to begin? Hmm. Fred, yeah. Let's start with Fred. Really great reads in the pick and roll. Given his wingspan, the passes that are available to him. He started to manipulate the ball with his dribble outside of his body, outside of his physical sphere more often. This means he can generate more manipulation out of defenses, you know, on the weak side, but especially the guys who are his primary defender. That's cool to see, and we saw a little bit of that tonight. Not creating a ton towards the basket, but still tried and true creating shots towards the corners. Guys like Yuta Watanabe, guys like Pascal, just not really hitting in this case. Although Pascal's didn't really come off of uh, Fred possessions. But Precious to Chua, Yuta Watanabe, you want to see them shoot a little bit better from three in this game. But alas, that wasn't the case. Fred, though, I mean, they run those little pitch plays for him where he gets, you know, the the look from downtown. He's relocating off of offensive rebounds. And he pulled up in transition for one too. the the five of ten mark from downtown in this game. That's really, really strong for a guy like Fred Van Vliet. And three shots made in the rest of the floor. He got to the free throw line for seven attempts and probably got a lot of the calls that I thought that, wow, it'd be nice if Pascal had gotten something like this because I thought that's all that was missing from Pascal's game aside from, damn, the three-point shot didn't drop. Pascal was driving, particularly in the second half, very hard, was getting a step, was getting a lot of contact, and still not really... Getting anything in return as far as trips to the line. He only took two free throws, and that was early on in the game. I think it was his third and fourth points of the game. That was really disappointing because Pascal was following, I think, the correct offensive process for a lot of this game, and he wasn't being rewarded whatsoever. The amount of possessions he took on, the amount of shots he created for others, and the amount of attention he got because the Celtics did what they did in the bubble series, right? they put a guy on Pascal like Jalen Brown or like Josh Richardson, an undersized guy, and then they hang a lot of guys in help side defense. And then they say to the Raptors, hey, hit some threes while we load up on this guy because we don't want him creating out of the post. We don't want him scoring down here. And as it just so happens, Scotty hit a three off of Pascal's attention that he was getting. He hit threes later, but that was, it wasn't off of Pascal passing out of the post or anything like that. I would say the biggest problem was probably Precious, I think, had a lot of awesome contests at the rim and deserves love for a pretty good defensive game, honestly. There, there are a couple missed rotations and X-outs and stuff like that, but he's a big being asked to perform X-outs and have some rotations up to the three-point line. You can't be too upset at that because if you're looking for a big to do that stuff, you're starting to enter the realm of like these all-NBA level defenders and that kind of stuff. But Precious, a lot of great contests at the rim. He saved a lot of possessions, I think, defensively and deserves credit for it. But offensively, he didn't really find the pacing or the space, especially when his guy is the guy doubling and shading Pascal so hard and making life hell for Pascal. That's really tough to see. And the Celtics, they went with that strategy tried and true. And Precious doesn't know how to make teams pay for that. He doesn't know how to slip into the open spaces to seal the guy, for example. Like if Fred Van Vliet is on the weak side corner, the guy who's playing the weak side zone, shouldn't be able to recover to a little lob pass to Precious Achua. If Precious's guy is shading so hard to Pascal, borderline doubling, seal that dude and get a lob. But he doesn't do that kind of stuff. He just, he hangs out in spaces where it's tough to get him the ball. It's tough to even imagine, like, would he score from right here? And he did have a nice push shot on the short roll and deserves credit for it. But overall, it's still tough. The the offensive process is still really tough for Precious. And, but I don't want to be too down on him because I thought he had a, a nice defensive game. And that, and also, that's something, while the Raptors did give up shots to guys like Marcus Smart, and this is also, it's following that blueprint, right? A lot of the same players, so it makes sense that it would of the that bubble series. But, you know, Jason Tatum not shooting that well from the floor. He had 10 assists in this one. The Raptors digging down, pinching in so hard on his drives. He's making one pass away or two passes away. He's making those reads. And the Celtics... Hit some threes. I mean, Grant Williams, 3 of 4. Marcus Smart, 4 of 10. Like, that's that's really good for them to have the, that type of input from those guys. And as far as the Raptors what they did defensively, I thought they were good defensively. Honestly, I they did not leave me wanting. Basically, if the Raptors had had a better offensive process, they would have had more set defensive possessions. And this game, the Celtics likely wouldn't have gotten to 109. That, that's all I mean by that is the Raptors, I think got enough uh, stops when they were set. And then the rest of the time when they're trying to get back in transition and cross matching and doing stuff like that, it's harder to get a good offensive, possess- sorry, a good defensive possession under wraps and to try and close out that possession and that kind of stuff. And to make sure that, okay, we're not giving up too much in this case or giving too much on this side of the floor because you're cross matched And so if the Raptors had scored a little bit better and done better in the half court, that would have been something that probably would have benefited both sides of the ball. Like, obviously, extending past the, the offensive side. And the the run in the early fourth quarter, I believe, where it was Pascal Siakam, Precious, plus Bench. So that would have been, I believe it was Bonga, Flynn, and Champagny. Champagne, sorry. And they had a run. And actually, it was a meaningful run, but they only scored one basket in the half court. And it was Malachi Flynn off of Pascal Siakam's tipped ball, like the jump ball, and he scored with like four seconds left on the shot clock. But everything else came off of turnovers, running out in transition, that kind of stuff. And while it's nice to see that that unit, Precious, Pascal, and those other three, can generate defensive turnovers and can run out in transition, that's great. But half court offense is the most... (laughs) That's the type of offense you run most in the NBA, and you have to be able to score in those, in those types of situations. And Pascal was borderline. When he gets uh, paint touch, three guys are on him and with a fourth guy lurking. And guys are not moving that well off the ball to make these reads really simple for him, and they're oftentimes kind of squeezing in on him too. So these are little handoffs or little like pop-up passes that give defenders a chance to compete for that in airspace. Like, they're not spacing out the floor. They're not making it easy. And so the offensive process in the half court for that stretch, that was just hell. That was uh, that was not good. I did not enjoy it. And so I think that was generally a downfall. The big benefit of this game, though, and to go back to Pascal and Scotty, they played awesome together. I think they linked up by the end of the game for six baskets. I don't know if it was four and two or three and three as far as the assists were, but they clearly had an eye for each other. And this is the thing. Uh, Pascal is not infringing on Scotty and Scotty is not infringing on Pascal. Like that's, you know, that's just the way it goes. These guys oftentimes are on opposite sides of the floor. If you want to make the case for like spacing and all that kind of stuff, that's fine. You can do that. But who is the better shooter who's going to replace one of those guys? And be honest with yourself. Is it going to be a better shooter than Pascal? Probably not. And as far as the, the stuff he'll be able to contribute elsewhere on the floor, what is it gonna be? Probably not anything really meaningful. So those two guys figuring things out, high low feeds, um corner to corner feeds, you know, beating the weak side zone feeds, all that kind of stuff. Really good to see they have an eye out for each other. And that was a huge development in this game. That was obviously it was buoyed somewhat by Scotty deciding, like, hey, I can shoot threes, and he hit four of them. But honestly, the Raptors, that's something that they should be really looking forward to is the two man actions where Scotty and Pascal, who at their size, both qualify as advanced playmakers. And while neither I wouldn't say either qualify for like an advanced handle or anything, they're both serviceable off the bounce. So there's stuff and they both are obviously great as far as how they move across the floor and kind of convey themselves around the court. All those things combine for something that should be potent as far as a two-man action goes. In this game, it was something I really, really liked. But the Raptors, the defensive process was pretty good. A lot of clean X-outs, like back-to-back-to-back, and really doing a good job of tracking down the Celtics and getting the ball out of Tatum's hands and making sure that when he got downhill, he was seeing at least two defenders, and one of them was a big who was contesting straight up. And that was awesome to see, and... I do think the Raptors shouldn't this isn't a game to complain about the defensive process, because basically it's just the fact that they couldn't get anything going in the half court and they just had to get so many possessions where they had to get back and cross match and do everything like that. The set defense pretty happy with it. Of course, there's mistakes that come. Of course, there's a guy who pinches in too hard and can't recover to the corner and stuff like that. But in most cases, honestly, uh, I was pretty happy with it. Cantor came in and he honestly, he kind of roughed them up a little bit. Like he had nine points and 10 rebounds in 21 minutes. He was the load. The Raptors obviously had trouble dealing with him. They're going to have trouble dealing with guys like that all season. They don't have a ton of size on the roster. And Cantor, he needs to be food on defense. This is where the Raptors, as far as the shooters and providing spacing, Cantor isn't as much food on defense. He's not as easily noticeable as, like, a guy who's going to tank a defense if everybody else gets to pinch him, if everybody gets to dig down and slap at the ball, and even if you get past the first line of defense, you have a guy swinging in, you have a guy trying to strip you, and then Cantor is, you know, around 7 feet, and he's going to stand at the bucket. But the guys who dig down, they make sure that you pick up your dribble earlier so you have less manipulation, you have less things that you're able to do to Cantor when he's deep in the post. That's the big problem, and Cantor was saved by this, and the Raptors, because they weren't shooting that well from downtown, save for uh, Fred and Scotty, he had that little run where he had three threes in the span of like, I don't know, four minutes or something like that, and that was awesome to see, but this this is how Cantor survived on the floor and then obviously really pressed the Raptors on the offensive glass. I think he had three orbs, so that was tough, but the Raptors in this game, I think, just, it's it, OG, Gary Trent Jr., Cam Birch, all those guys so far this year have registered as positive offensive players. Some by the skin of their teeth, but positive offensive players. In a game like tonight, the Raptors were really looking for positive offensive contributions, and they did not have it. And then when you mix in the fact that, like, yes, the, the free throw disparity is real. They shot 16, the, the Celtics shot, I think, 31. Now, there's things that go into that, obviously. The Raptors are a very aggressive team defensively. I was talking about dig downs and stuff like that that Boston was doing, particularly on Pascal, but the Raptors do this against everybody. They're trying to gamble. They're trying to get steals. They're trying to get out and run. They put themselves in compromised positions all the time. They have excellent athletes who are trying to catch up and get back into plays, who are ripe for foul grifting, and Jason Tatum is excellent at it, and Touch fouls were something that we saw a lot of in this game. Like uh, Josh Richardson having five free throw attempts, Grant Williams having four, Al Horford having six, like touch fouls were something that was going on. Did more go to the Celtics? I think in this game, probably. Yeah. Uh, is that how everything is going to shake out going forward? I hope not. Probably not. Uh, the whistle is tough to parse out from game to game. But if I had to guess, like, did it, would I have liked if Pascal shot more than two free throws because of how much he drove? Absolutely, and would it be nice if he had equaled somewhere around Josh Richardson or Al Horford? Yes, totally, but the game is the game. The whistle is the whistle, and the Raptors, had they shot better from downtown, had a little bit more of that tertiary uh, or ancillary creation from some guys like Sfi or Watanabe or Flynn, things might have been a little bit more tight and a little bit more manageable, but 109.97, that's how things shook out in this game and honestly that's it, it made sense the raptors they couldn't score consistently enough in the half court and that's why they ended up losing this one so tough pill to swallow because you really would have liked to see them win win a game especially at home after being on a road trip for so long they had that six game road trip over 13 days or something like that but uh we begin again i, I don't think it's tomorrow but the day after against the grizzlies who they beat uh just a few days ago. So, something to look forward to even though the Grizzlies just walloped the Kings tonight 128 to 101. So, we'll see. Tough to say what's going to happen. I'm not into the I'm not into predicting the future, I don't think as far as that goes. But uh, the Reggie Evans award, I'm giving it to Precious Achiuwa, a severely limited offensive player who uh boarded the ball and brought a lot of hustle, and even though the rotations weren't perfect, I just loved a lot of the contests he brought at the rim. Those low help side rotations did save quite a few possessions. Defensively, he brought a lot of defensive pop in that way, so that's the Reggie Evans Award winner. Now let's go over to raptorsrepublic.com. Wow, what a great website, and we'll figure out, oh, I've just Googled the word raw. Okay, we're going to raptorsrepublic.com. What a great website. Figure out what the top quick reaction comment is. Oh, we've got paragraphs from the beloved Niagara underscore dude. Quote, very tough one to lose. Barnes started poorly, but again came on later and put on a show in that third quarter. I thought Fred was making great shots and making plays. Not easy to win playing without two of our top scoring options, OG and Trent, and despite Utah offering some great defense, he is still limited scoring. Time to flush it and get ready for Memphis on Tuesday who will be without Morant down with a sprained knee. Finally, if you don't agree with the poster's comments, then try responding in a respectful manner or move along, and if you cannot handle a poster, just block them. This site is turning into a sewer of toxic posting. It's not right, and we can do better. This is just a game. No need to act like it is life and death. End quote. Hey, guys. Yeah, I guess if you're saying something particularly nasty, probably don't do that. Just a, like You're all watching the same Raptors game, and then you're all going to the same website and commenting about it. Y'all love basketball and hopefully your love of basketball, you can do it in a way where you don't say like horrible things to people online. And if you can't, then I do question what you're doing with your life, that this is the outlet you choose to be so uh, toxic. Don't know who he's talking about, but if there's somebody doing that, Hey, if the toe tag fits, you know? Uh, And as far as the, the, (laughs) the take on the game, yeah, Niagara, dude, you and me, we're seeing the same thing out there. Barnes had a tough game for a little bit, but had his classic third quarter explosion. I talked about this when I was on Sportsnet uh, the other day when I think it was uh, John LeJoy. Sorry, not John Lajoie, Uh Roger Lajoie, uh, the host, asked me about, you know, well, sometimes he's, you know, up and down as a rookie. And I'm saying, yeah, he's he's a guy who is sometimes learning to interpret the floor and He's seeing things that are brand new as an NBA player. But, of course, he's very cerebral. He processes the game very quickly. He makes a lot of great reads. So when he sees a defense or a a particular lineup of an opposing team that forfeits some things and he's able to recognize those, he just spams those actions. Scotty Barnes knows exactly what he's looking for when he finds success, and then he goes back to it until it's not there anymore. And when that's not there and he's not sure how to – you know, kind of impress himself upon the game, he fades back a little bit. He just runs like dribble handoffs and tries to do a keeper play every now and then. And the Raptors have done, you know, good work to stagger guys so that there's more than one option so he can do some things. But he's still a limited offensive player. But when he gets it, oh boy, does he get it. And it's really fun to watch. He, he had a really fun game in this one. And that's that's basically a huge appeal of this season is just watch, hey, What can Scotty Barnes do on a game-to-game basis? But Niagara, dude, thanks for writing it. I enjoyed what you thought about the game. I think there was a lot of overlap with me. So, cool. Cool beans. All right, listener, I hope you enjoyed this, whether you got into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day, and goodbye.